The heavens are telling of the glory of God, and their expanse is declaring the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their utterances to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. It rejoices as a strong man to run his course. Its rising is from one end of the heavens, and its circuit is to the other end of them, and there is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold, yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of hidden faults. Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. What you just heard was Psalm 19. And today we're going to be doing a small study on it, as well as talking about the indulgence culture, and, well, the first 15 days of a fast I've stepped into. My name is Mardazar. Welcome. So, Psalm 19 is pretty dense if we look at it. But if we look at it like a song, there's three distinct verses for this. And the first verse talks about how creation evangelizes the name of God. And one of the things that really comes to mind for me because in verse 3 it says there is no speech nor are there words their voice is not heard their line has gone out through all the earth and their utterances to the end of the world and then God begins to talk about in them has placed a tent for the sun and he describes light and so in my reading of this uh, the first thing that really stood out to me um, day by day or day to day pours forth speech night to night reveals knowledge uh, that light is evangelism and 
you're gonna be you might be a little bit confused about that uh, to keep it brief um, light is a thing uh, it shoots out and it shoots out in every direction uh, the room I'm in right now has light in it and it is shooting out from every direction light from my screen is shooting out in as many directions as it can and it's coming straight from my face as I'm recording this and it pours forth this revelation of God um, I read this and I remember a hike um, a trail that I like here in Nashville, uh, east of the city, and I'm just always in wonder of just how big it is, uh, and the light that creation itself gives off, um, the physical light, I'm not talking about spiritual light at this moment, I'm talking about physical light, um, as a scientific, verifiable fact, is something that is a declaration and an evangelistic declaration of God and it has no words but it's declaring something um, you don't need dialogue to make a movie in fact um, there are recorded instances where Alfred Hitchcock uh, would not use audio in his films um, or he wouldn't put the audio in it um, and it was an editing metric for him and what he would do is if you could get the story through the light that was being shown on screen then the story was being told well and there was and if there's no need for words and you're still telling the story you're telling the story well and the words just add more detail and gravitas and um, flair and pizzazz um, and character to the film um, the words aren't the only thing but creation itself is a declaration of God it's how we would know God if no one told us we could see creation and think there's something more and then the second verse of this if we're going on this whole verse thing um, 7 through 11 are all one verse in my opinion and it says that the law of the Lord is perfect restoring the soul it also says that the testimony of the lord is sure wise and it makes wise the simple the precepts of the lord are right rejoicing the heart the commandment of the lord is pure enlightening the eyes the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. And they're more desirable than gold. Yes, than much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. And from personal experience, I can say that The law is restoring um, that God's law when I follow it tends to put me out better 
than when I'm not. Um, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Um, I think that's reading scripture, like we read scripture, um, and it makes simple people wise. Um, maybe it even makes them simply wise, um, just de facto in a sense. Um, the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. And I think it's the thoughts of God on us and on other people and on life and on purpose. Those precepts, um, when I think of them, when I get a glimpse of them, when I hover on them, if I'm allowed to, if the Spirit allows me to, I am, my heart is rejoicing. It's an overwhelming experience. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Um, I get the sense that it's so simple, it just makes sense to us. The fear of the Lord is clean and enduring forever. Um, like, that's a healthy, like, the fear I have is a healthy fear if I'm fearing God. Um, the decisions of God are true and they're righteous altogether. Um, and I get the sense that the decisions of God are correct. And in context, they're mightily correct. And all of these things are more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey. And by them we are warned. And in keeping them, we are rewarded. And... In my life, um, as I have gone from thing to thing, it's been tremendously true. And, yeah, I, without saying too much, it's, that's kind of how it is. And Psalm 19 is an incredible piece to remind us of God's, the value of God's word, but also just the importance of rule following and then finally verses 12 through 14 who can discern his errors acquit me of hidden faults um, also keep back your servant from presumptuous in some other translations um, it's uh, chosen sins um, let them not rule over me then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression uh, to be acquitted is to be let off, um, to be blameless. I feel like the psalmist here, in my opinion, if I was writing this, to be blameless isn't necessarily just to be blameless. It's to feel blameless. It's to have that weight lifted off of you. Um, because when we do something wrong, it haunts us, I think, for the rest of our lives. Um, every wrong thing that I've done continues to haunt me um, to the point where I doubt the existence of forgiveness from God um, but here we have a prayer that says let them not rule over me then I will be blameless and I shall be acquitted of great transgression and then we all know Psalm 19:14. we've all heard this but we don't really hear it in context enough I think let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight Oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so, 
what do we do with those last three? This third verse, this ending. I think it's a confession that I don't know everything I do wrong. And there's things in my mind that just are just altogether wrong. And then there's things that are outside of my mind that tempt me to do wrong, and sometimes I do. And when I do those, they rule over me. They have a thing on me. They have some dirt on me. They are the dirt on me. And I ask God to forgive me and to not and to not let those things rule over me. And to acquit me of transgression. And this is as much a validation of scripture as it is a plea for forgiveness. Um, constantly. And Psalm 19 is we see the evangelism of nature we see the perfection of God we see the stupidity of man and in verse 14 we see a supplication that is I think the key supplication verses 13 and 14 are supplication 12 is a question and a supplication but 13 and 14 is keep me from sin and let everything that I say and think be good to you. My God, my rock, my redeemer, my God, my foundation, and my forgiveness. So that's our Bible study for today. Um, and I don't know about you, but it's powerful. Um, and especially just to break it up into those three chunks, it's um, it's incredible. It really is. It's an incredible psalm. So I'm going to leave you on that, just with that kind of little food for thought. Um, and let's transition into the first 15 days of my fast. So, I'm 15 days into a fast. Um, 15, 16 days into a fast that has honestly been giving me a lot of peace and so whether it be churches back home or here in Nashville there's a lot of churches that are stepping into fasts for this January 2019 I think it's a really interesting trend um, to observe Uh, for me I have decided that one of my new year's resolutions is to do a fast every month from something and this month I am doing a fast from caffeine and alcohol and while I'm not so much into alcohol I am a huge coffee snob so it's very difficult for me to get up in the mornings nowadays and to not go to the Keurig and 
have my and have my coffee. I have like a Colombian roast and a French roast and a standard roast and I have little hot chocolate pockets things or um uh, I also have like uh, some tea ones. It's I I'm a snob. Um, but the f- I'm fasting from all caffeine and all alcohol. So that's also soda. And the only thing I've really had for the last like 15, 16 days has been milk and water. And that is it. Um, and honestly, it's been, I thought it was going to be a lot harder. Uh, but actually the one thing I really wanted to get out of this fast for January was a sense of thankfulness. 2018 didn't end on a good note for me. But I wanted to do something that would be a dare of some sort to draw closer to God um, in the midst of all of that. And this resolution to fast throughout the whole year um, was one of them. And this fast I really wanted to learn thankfulness and a couple of things that I have found in the first 15 days is that um, not having caffeine or alcohol has like made me a lot less moody I'm just kind of a little bit more reasonable and calm Um, and some might argue that might just be a really just dead person without without any caffeine to kick into their system however um i would just argue that it's a caffeine sensitive person like me not having caffeine uh, for a small while and it's been really good i've really enjoyed just keeping it simple having some water having some milk um, and not having to figure out if I'm getting a Pepsi or a Pepsi Cherry or if I'm getting um, any number of different drinks. Uh, I just, they're not on the table um, for the sake of devotion to God. Uh, and it's just been rather simple. Um, granted, sometimes I do lapse, but it's I think it's maybe only been like one sip of a Capri Sun um, at like some formal event. And I was just kind of like, oh, oh yeah, that's kind of sweet and caffeine-y. I shouldn't drink that. So I just set it down and it was a simple mistake. Um, But besides that, it's been, I've been pretty good on it. I've remembered most of the time and it's just been incredible and so I'm a little less moody um and I've also noticed that I'm just thankful a little bit more there's been just some moments where I'm thankful for things um like just the ability to get up in the morning um the ability to have the means to do a podcast like this um the means to really create a lot of content with little effort um is incredible and 
just the little things and being thankful for what God's given me um, and realizing he's given me everything and kind of realizing what everything is um, has been really humbling and really cool. Second thing, um, I've become a lot more generous and I think it's because uh, I'm not spending so much money on coffee and I realize I have a little bit of padding in um, in my account a little bit for the first time that isn't spent um, you know three to five dollars at a time on the daily or on whatever um, on coffee um, if I'm doing the quick math on that I spend maybe a hundred and fifty dollars on average on coffee if I'm getting like either I don't know whether it's 60 to 150 um, I'm usually a black coffee kind of guy so about like three dollars at Starbucks about yeah so three times about 90 bucks so I'm saving 90 bucks a month um, and instead I still meet people for coffee I just don't get coffee I just drink my water or ask for, for a refill of my water and I buy them coffee and so it's um, it's knowing that I have something that I'm not going to give to myself so I can give it to somebody else. And so that's been really cool. And I've just noticed that like when I deny myself something, I'm able to give it away to somebody else who wants it. Uh, so that's been just tremendous. And being able to bless so many friends of mine with just a cup of coffee has been fantastic. Um, and I've loved being able to do that. And then the third thing that I have noticed so I said I've been thankful more I've been less moody and I've been more generous um, so yeah those are the three big things I think I hit all of them and so it's been fantastic and when it's done the next 15 days on the next episode I will be sharing with you everything that I've learned and how I feel and chances are I'll probably keep going on it um, just to see how long I can really go before I have to drink coffee if I really have to um, it might be nice to have like one cup but it's good to know that I can say no to a cup of coffee um, that's been it's been cool to see that I have a power over it um, so yeah that's the first 15 days of my fast and I just wanted to let you guys know about that just because um, uh, when we fast and with all these churches fasting and praying for certain things uh, the Lord sees that and he rewards it and he um, he blesses that um, and so don't think that it's unseen because I have gotten more generous, more emotionally stable, and I have also just been more thankful um, in the midst of this fast. And honestly, it would probably, most people think that fasting is going to make you depressed because you're without something. Um, 
less generous because that thing's been taken away so you're gonna not have other things get taken away um and less thankful because you don't want to be in it you're just gonna be like oh i'm in another fast but for me it's been the exact opposite so everybody fast and pray um and everyone thinks like it's a super intense thing and it can be or it could be really simple and it's just like god teach me thankfulness i'm not gonna i'm not gonna drink coffee until you do or i'm not gonna be on my phone until you do um it really just depends um but god sees that i think i'm pretty sure he does so that's the little update on the fast um and now i'm just gonna have a small little segue into the next segment which is going to be talking about the indulgence culture really quick So, today's, this episode's cultural side is on the indulgence culture. Um, and I feel like it's, I'm doing this on purpose, um, because we're introducing fasting right now. Um, indulgence culture isn't just having access to everything all the time, it's having access quickly to it. Um, and being able to satisfy your needs quickly and the current economy is an economy of scarcity um and there's a scarcity of time there's a scarcity of resources there's a scarcity of thought there's a scarcity of just everything um and the fundamental assumption of economics is scarcity um and what happens when you don't have enough and what decisions do you make when you don't have enough and so in the kingdom of god we don't work off of an economy of scarcity i think we work off an economy of abundance and i mean there's a lot of different people and really smart people um one that comes to mind is there's a gentleman by the name of Wendell Berry that makes an allusion to this um, in some of his work. And I think mine's a permutation and a separate phrasing of a similar idea that he has. Um, but just this idea that we live in an indulgence culture where there, where we indulge, I think, in the first world countries because we think there's not enough, but we have everything, so we're going to take everything we can. And that's not what God calls us to. I think God calls us to a culture that gives more than it receives. And it's not, I mean, we're in January. Christmas was just a while ago. Um, so we don't need to, I mean, Christmas is in another 12 months, but we don't need to think about Christmas right now. But Christmas is an incredible thing because that's when Jesus came and Jesus is amazing and Jesus came as a baby um, and he lived a life with us and that's that's Christmas really quick for you uh, but actually that ties in really well so God could have indulged in heaven 
for all of time and not even cared to come down and say, I'm going to save you. Um, God stepped away from heaven and away from the situation where he well deserves to have everything just amazingly just catered to him. And he stepped out of that and he took on flesh and he felt pain and he knows all of us. And so there is, when we are, there's a sense that God even knew that to give his life and to give his time and to give his talents and his treasures that in the man of Jesus, um, that the economy of abundance and the people that live in it are seen as the people who are generous, who give, um, and also know that they don't have to take everything. Um, that sometimes it's take, 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 take. And I think a lot of the church feels like, oh, it's, they're just taking, they're just passing another plate. Um, and I don't think it's like that. Um, I think we live in a society that is so much, I want this, I want it now, and if it's there, I've got to have it. Uh, and it's countercultural to the economy of abundance that says there's enough to go around, you don't need to do and take everything. Um, and that's, I think, why, uh, why fasting is so important. I think it's... Um, at least why it's becoming important to me, why I'm learning to really enjoy this time of not having a cup of coffee um, or a small little little thing of bourbon. Uh, It's because in a culture that tells me I have to take everything, I'm saying I don't need to, and I'm finding out that I'm okay when I don't. So, cultural aside, the indulgence culture and the overindulgence culture is not just an access to everything, it's an access to everything quickly. And when we deny ourselves of access to certain things like caffeine or alcohol, for me, maybe it's a phone, or maybe it's television, or maybe it's Instagram, or maybe it's... um, big variety of things um whatever you feel like has an addictive quality over your life but you're not really addicted to it um you can say no and you can fast from it and you can be on god's time as opposed to the culture's time so that is this episode's cultural side and i hope it was a nice helpful little tidbit. So that's our episode. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, just a brief overview. Psalm 19 not only affirms the authority of scripture, but um, also gives a great framework for a prayer um to shape our lives around. Um, I'm stepping into 12 months of fasting, and this first 15 days of fasting has been 
really, really easy. Um, surprisingly, I'm a coffee snob, and I, while it's a little bit difficult to get up in the mornings, I feel a lot better. I'm thankful, um, less moody, and I am able to be more generous um, with my time and my finances, uh, which has been fantastic. Uh, cultural side, the overindulgence culture, and a culture that says yes immediately um, with fasting and just with denying yourself certain things that may have addictive qualities over you. Um, you are stepping into not only a fuller life with God, but also into God's intended economy of abundance, um, which says that there is enough to go around when the culture and the economies of this world um, operate on an assumption of scarcity and that not everyone's going to get what they need. Uh, with all of that, um, with the economy of abundance, with this economy of scarcity, um, if you would like to support this podcast um, with a financial donation of any sort, um, there is a link uh, either in the podcast description or in the episode description um, for you to go to the support page on anchor.com for you to uh, give some money uh, to support this podcast. And that money is going to go to two things specifically um, if it's not going to the production of my music um, that I'm hoping to produce in the next little while uh, it will be going to charities and ministries um, that really speak to uh, my heart and are doing incredible things in the world so I do not take that uh, lightly to just ask for money um, and those are the only two places it would go. Um, and I am eternally grateful for you listening. Um, there's no ads on this podcast. I'm not going to do that to you guys. Um, but this is the only little call for support um, that I'm really going to make. And I'm going to try and make this a fun, quick, easy, provocative, um, thought-provoking, I guess is what I should say, um, podcast. Um, small little bit of time. So... My name is Martyrzar. Thank you for listening.